Welcome to the Kung Fu Mama Show! <laughs> Kali Laughing Edition. Okay, well today we have a very special guest. And it's a perfect time because my daughter is right next to me right here. Uh, we have Melissa Jones. She is inspiring girls empowerment coach and a highly effective licensed classroom teacher. And she has over... 20,000 hours of experience. Um, so let's welcome Melissa Jones on the show. Hi, Melissa. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to have you. And I love this topic of um, empowering girls. That's something I'm passionate about as well. Um, and obviously, I've got two little girls, which I'd love to find out how we can um, empower them. Um even now and in the future yeah so um also recently in our conversation i noticed that you are a boy mom you're a boy mom um <laughs> but empowering girls is your passion so can you tell us a little about why is it empowering girls is your passion yeah. So yeah, I have a 13 year old son. And so people are often surprised by that. I've worked with kids, you know, for over 22 years. And um, I've always wondered, I've always just, no, you're good. Um, you know, as a child, I I remember vividly the moment when everything shifted for me um, as far as when I felt empowered versus when I felt very alone and disempowered. And it's very vivid to me because it was such a huge shift in my life. And it, it was really when I was eight years old and we moved and my parents felt that the neighborhood we were in was becoming a little bit less than what they wanted for me. And so we moved to a different area of town and they felt it was a, it was a better neighborhood. It was a better fit. And what really ended up happening was I lost my sense of belonging because I had the across the street best friend. I had the mm -hmm. down the street girl, you know, I had the, I had my community and even in school, you know, I had, I just remember feeling really free at that school. And then when we moved, it was like something clicked or maybe unclicked. And there were really no girls in my neighborhood. There was one girl who lived behind me and she was very tomboyish. Whereas I still like to play with dolls. I still like to, um, I mean, I would ride my bike and I would do, you know, quote unquote boy things too. But, but I really was a girl at heart and I loved, you know, I loved girl things. And I felt really lost because I didn't really have that connection with anyone in my new neighborhood. Hmm. And from that point on, even though I came from a very loving family, I really just struggled all the way through school and feeling good enough in this new place. Um, and just, and so that's where I think the core of everything comes from for me. Mm -hmm. And then as a teacher, noticing similar patterns in girls, you know, through my teaching career is really mm -hmm. where it started to click for me that there was such a need of building positive communities for girls. 
I see. So when you switched to that new school, to that new neighborhood, um, you you never really found the you didn't found your groove until much later. How yeah. long did that go on for? I would say uh, it was really until I was probably 13, I would say 12 or 13 before I found a small group of friends um, who befriended me in, in an English class, I remember. Mm-hmm. And they we connected over feeling nervous about giving a speech. And it really was kind of them giving me that that permission to feel that way and just feeling that sense of like, okay, I'm not the only one who's feeling nervous about getting up in front of the entire class and giving this speech. And honestly, we've been friends ever since. Um, Those girls are my best friends even today. And they're the kind of people that, yeah, that you just pick right back up with. Like we can go a couple of months without talking and we just pick right back up. So it really wasn't until we connected um, about you know, that issue of like feeling insecure that we really just clicked. And Mm -hmm. so I, I really like through school, I was always the person who was friends with all kinds of people. Um, I was friends with people who are quote unquote popular. I was friends with people who are really smart. I was friends with people who were dancers and who were athletes. And so I, I kind of dabbled in a bunch of different friend groups trying to kind of find my way. And I always felt like I had to belong to this one certain group of people and never really felt like I quite could fit in. And Mm -hmm. so although I had kind of friends in all kinds of different groups, I still, even into my 20s and 30s, um, was was just searching for that, you know, in and out of of that feeling of just feeling good enough. Mm. So, I mean, that that time and 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 now i feel like there's been a lot of technology there's been a lot of changes in terms of what friendships look like especially um uh, you could message people now like it's it's quite weird i mean it's it's cool i mean we can connect now um online which is which is quite interesting so um i think there's a lot of different things that girls struggle with today and uh then when you were growing up, um, do you have any any thoughts about it? Do you think it's easier? Do you think it's more challenging? Yeah, I see similar patterns um, in, in what I face and really girls oh, wanting to feel good enough and wanting to feel that they're not weird or that they can fit into a certain group. But what I also what I also noticed, like you're saying with social media, is that with social media, it's, you know, it's a good and a bad, like it's good in a way that, um, that they can connect, you know, with friends, like all through the world, like you said, I mean, we're connecting, you're in Taiwan and I'm in, you know, Indiana, which is in the Midwest. And it's amazing that we can do that. Um, and they can do that as well. Like I have some girls in my, one of my clubs and she, was talking about a group chat she was in and, and they were from all all kinds of places around the world so australia and europe and she was talking about a friend who was in Japan. and yeah. so you know it that part of it is incredible the part that's hard is that they want to feel seen and they want to have the likes and they want to have the followers 
And sometimes it's like they don't feel validated unless they have a lot of followers or they don't have a lot of likes. And so I see the benefit. I mean, for sure, we all know that technology can be a really powerful thing. And I mean, we're proof of it right now. Yeah. And it can also, though, be something that can be tricky for girls because they depend in some ways on those likes, on those follows. Right. And they don't feel like they're being seen unless they have a lot of that. And so mm-hmm. I see it as a positive and kind of a challenge um, for girls today. And I think that's something that's a little bit different than, you know, when I grew up. What are some of those things that you see that 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 um, girls struggle with um, before in the past? What are you right. feeling? Yeah, I would say fear of people's opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, just worrying about if they raise their hand in class, if they worry about um, what they say, if it may not seem smart to someone else, or if they're wrong. I, mm-hmm. I did a survey recently in my classroom. And I said, how many of you are only raise your hand when you know that you have the correct answer? It's almost every hand that went up in the class. And I surveyed and I, I looked, I kind of scanned the room to see the girls. It was every girl. And that told wow. me a lot because girls want to make sure, and not that boys, you know, boys are just wired differently. It's not that boys don't need these things too, but it's just a very different, just a different um, way that we're wired. And I think girls, especially there's so much research about perfectionism and people pleasing and how girls are raised to be, you know, people pleasers. And, you know, there've been surveys and, and studies done nationally and internationally about you know, 70% of girls believe that they're not good enough in some way. And 98% of girls believe that their bodies aren't good enough in some way. And 74% of girls believe that they need to please someone. Like they they feel this this pull in in pleasing. And Mm -hmm. so that's what I think the difference is between boys and girls is that girls have this internal feeling that they have to be this certain way. And what I believe is that by creating positive communities for girls, we can start to break that and start to show girls that they have other options and that they can still be kind and they can still have these, this gentle side, but they can also be assertive and not seem bossy and that they can go for their dreams and not worry about what other people think of it and raise their hand in class and not feel like that they're going to be criticized for being wrong. Um, and so that's what I think the power is in creating positive communities for girls and having these conversations. Uh, do you feel that, um, I mean, these things, are things that I feel like can even happen in the classroom. I think it's a a re-education of the entire population. <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel like maybe it's a little bit better now than before. Uh, am I right? It's it's better now than before, but I do think that that um, what you're saying about having uh, sort of a an ideal of what girls should be and um, having to stick in that box. That is a, that is a terrible feeling. 
<laughs> it is. And what I do in my classroom is I do a lot of work with my girls and boys on mindset and on facing fears like that and, and other people's opinion and just, you know, being the person, what I always tell my kids in classes, be the person who raises their hand, who might be wrong, because what you're doing is you're opening up the possibility of someone else raising their hand, who's just taking a chance. And we, we all know that we learn from mistakes, but the biggest part that's scary to kids is that they don't want to be seen making a mistake. You know, they want to make it behind closed doors. And that's just not the way that things work. And I think by giving kids permission, especially to make mistakes in front of each other and to learn from it and to use it as a growing experience and to go, all right, well, now I know that I can do it this way instead, or, you know, we can figure this out together. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really powerful. Have you found any, any similarities that does your son deal with any of these issues? Um, I feel like that that also is um, at some point, it's a bit gender neutral. In, in some yeah. aspects for kids. Yeah, the part uh, failing in front of others, 100%. He, tonight, he races um, bicycles and he and my husband went to the track and he had a race and he flipped over his handlebars and he's fine, you know, he has scratches, but the part that frustrated him the most is that he did it in front of a crowd. And I think that's the universal, you know, gender neutral part is when it's public and mm -hmm. you're making mistakes. I think that's when kids have the hardest time because they're so worried about being seen as weird or not as smart or not as fill in the blank as someone else. And okay. the fact of the matter is the fill in the blank is exactly. the same thing that the other kid is thinking as well. So it's like, we all have this universal, you know, need of feeling accepted and feeling like we belong. And I think that's the part that's the gender neutral is that we all want yeah. to appear that we have it together. And mm -hmm. What I think we need to do more of is is show the imperfection and show that that's actually growth and you're not supposed right. to know how to do something all the time, you know, yeah. and thinking about like when your daughter first, you know, learned how to walk. I mean, it's not like she was ridiculed because she couldn't stand up, you know, for the first time or walk or whatever, like, you know, you encourage them. And it's like, you know, that's the analogy that we think of is like, you would never, you know, make a child feel bad for learning how to walk or doing something for the first time. But yep. for some reason, as kids get older, it's like they get in their minds that, and we as adults, that we have to have it all together all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's really not relatable to other people. Yep. So I think the more we can share that openness about it um, and, and be okay with not, not appearing to have it all together, you know, the better. Uh, so what are some signs that indicate that uh, your daughter is struggling if uh, parents were to come across Yeah, this? I would say any kind of a change in behavior. And I don't think it means that all of a sudden that your daughter goes into, uh, you know, her bedroom and she locks the door and it's this big dramatic thing. 
And I don't think either that it it's that, you know, she totally changes who she is. Because I feel like with that, that's pretty obvious that something's going on. But I think it's the subtle changes that we need to pay attention to. Like, for example, I had a girl in class who was very, like, always very positive and very uh, willing to try anything. And all of a sudden, this one week, she was tattling on a lot of people. She was complaining a lot. And so I think what parents can do is what I did is I pulled her to the side and I said, you know, hey, you're really, um, you're not really acting like yourself. Are you okay? You're normally really positive. So I think with parents complimenting the kids on, you know, especially your daughter, like, I see that you're always, you know, this or that. And I'm just, I'm just checking in with you because I'm noticing that you're, you know, you're kind of tattling on your siblings a lot, or you're complaining a lot and you normally don't do that. So really it's kind of like noticing that little change in behavior uh, rather than it have to be really dramatic and having a conversation about it. And I think it's a casual conversation because sometimes what, what girls especially feel is again, that pressure of just you know, they want to, they want to please their parents, even they want to, you know, be themselves and and they are at home, but they also want to, um, they want to figure it out. And sometimes they don't know how to express that. So I think it's just really checking in with them and just noticing those little changes uh, and just, just asking, you know, is everything good? And um you know, my son's 13 and like at 13, you'll get the eye roll, but a lot of times (laughs) he'll still, you know, he'll, he'll open up about something or he'll say, no, I'm just tired. And it's like, okay. You know, and I make a mental note, like, all right, well, I'm still going to pay attention to that because I noticed it's a little change. So I think it's just really, are our kids normal? I see. And so how can, um, so from that, you see, if you see some struggles, but how can we uh, empower them to have growth or change and, and things like that? Yeah, I think there are a lot of ways. I think one of the ways is, I mean, communication is huge for parents, you know, right. and we want to have different opportunities to communicate. So one of them is, you know, you create these, I call it pockets of conversation, you know, just casual times when you can check in with your kids. And especially girls, you know, who tend to internalize things. And I think it's in the car. I think it's during bath time, especially if you have younger children. You know, my son would always open up to me um, in the bathtub for some reason. I think it was the warm, you know, the warm air and, you know, it just feels cozy in there and they're, you know, they're in their tub. and, And he would always just say things to me in the bathtub. And then as he got older, it was bedtime. You know, he wanted to, I think it's because their minds are starting to get calm and they start just thinking, you know, freely about things. Or if it's a car ride, sometimes it's in the car where we're driving somewhere and we're having casual conversation and all of a sudden something comes up and we end up having this great conversation. And so I think it's really creating those little pockets of just no pressure checking in times. And I also think as kids get older and I tried this, you know, I've, I've done this with girls and I've done it with my son. 
um, is creating a non-traditional way to communicate. So I call it the interactive journal. So really you just take any kind of a journal and you write back and forth to each other um, and pass like pass the notebook. So it's like a daily activity where, and I tested this with my son because I wanted to know if it worked, if it was gender neutral or if it worked with, you know, only one or whatever. And obviously it depends on the child, but my son who is 13, who is, you know, when they're 12 and 13, they turn into a very, um, <laughs> close-minded a little bit about uh-huh. some things and, and yeah. you think they won't be open, but right. he actually was. And so all you do is you get a notebook and you just write about anything. So it could be, this is what I did today. It could be, this was a good thing I did. Um, it could be literally about like I, our first entry, he wrote about his uh, football game and then he brought it to my bedroom. We had a, a designated place. Mm-hmm. Mine was on my nightside table. So mm-hmm. he would put it on my, beside my bed. I would put his under, you know, the same notebook, but I would tuck it under his pillow. Right. So at night he would bring it to me and we wouldn't even talk about it. He would just like slide it on my nightstand. And then I would write back to him. And then in the morning, I would, after he got up, I would slip it under his pillow. So uh, he told me about his football game. I told him about a workout I was doing and I expected him to not be interested at all. But it turned out he started asking me all kinds of questions about my workout and Hmm. just why I liked it and what I like and just things I never expected. And I thought, is this going to really last? Because I wanted to see how long I could do it. And it lasted for weeks. And we would literally just write back and forth to each other. And sometimes too, it's asking them about a decision. So something as simple as, what do you think we should have for dinner tomorrow night? And them like planning the menu and deciding what they think we should have gives them that sense of empowerment. As simple as that sound sounds, or, you know, what do you think what game do you think we should watch tonight? Or what movie do you think we should watch? It puts it back on them to where they feel like they had a part in the decision as simple as that sounds. Or Mm. what do you think we should, you know, whatever. So passing that notebook back and forth, we filled an entire notebook. And what that does is it opens up an opportunity. If he wants to bring up something serious, we already have the habit in place. And I still have conversations verbally with him, but it also gives another opportunity that's not as traditional where he can write it if he feels embarrassed or, you know, and there were a couple of times where he asked me about like growing up types of things, you know, about things he was noticing about his body or things that were happening with some friends. And it wasn't every time, but it gave him the space to be able to do that in a way that was safe, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think writing, um, personally in your own space is, is very different, a very different feeling than having the conversation face to face. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great, great tip. Um, which when my daughter can write, I'd love to try. (laughs) Yeah. And you could start with pictures. So, you know, if you have a small child, you know, I remember my son, he would always do scribble stories. 
I call them scribble stories because I'm sure with your daughter, they know what they're doing and they in their mind have a story in mind. So even if they're scribbling to you and you're writing simple things like I love you or whatever it is that you want to write back, it still would be a really cool, you know, thing you could do or, you know, just trying it like in some sand or shaving Mm -hmm. cream or something that's, you know, just more kind of tactile would be really fun. Cool. Definitely. We'll try that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So back to when you were younger, what are the five lessons you would teach your younger self? Yes. Well, I have thought about this a lot. (laughs) Um, One of them is that other people's opinions um, don't matter. And that was probably the hardest one for me because all through growing up, as soon as I moved, I worried so much about being different. And what I didn't realize is that being different is what made me me. And you want people to be different. And that's what we do, you know, in my clubs is, you know, we honor that. And I think that, you know, kids are good about knowing that having different types of friends are good. But I think each individual, you know, especially girls, as they get older, something happens to where they start to doubt that, you know, at about age 11, age 10, age nine, they start for some reason, reason, starting to doubt that. And that's what, that's why it's so important to have community. So that's one. Number two, um, my mom always told me, and I have a great mom, And I think she heard this from her mom, but she would tell me a lot of times, don't get your hopes up, you know, don't get your hopes up. You don't know if that's really going to happen, you know? And she meant well, I think in her heart, but it really made me believe that I shouldn't go for big things. And I shouldn't, um, although she would still tell me to go for my dreams, you know, when someone says to you, don't get your hopes up, it's like, you feel like you have a limit and a kind of a ceiling where you've got to stay kind of below that. And so I would say, get your hopes up, you know, go for the big thing. And even if it's really big and you're, you know, a little below that, it's still going to be more than what you ever thought you could do. Um, And so that's what I'm doing actually is, you know, a global girls empowerment um, leadership program. And Mm -hmm. so I have leaders already in Africa and Australia and, you know, North America. And so I'm going for it, you know, and that's what I think. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah. So getting your hopes up. Um, and then number three is don't give up if you are not good at something right away. There are so many times where I tried out for something and I didn't make the first cut and then I just never did it again. And it's like, why did I do that? You know, if I really wanted to be on the team or I really wanted to be on the squad or whatever it was, why did I give up when I didn't make it just one time? You know, that's Mm -hmm. really quite absurd if you think about it. And like today I would never do that. So I would go back and tell myself to keep going. And if it was really something that I wanted to pursue, um, is to have that grit, to have the the resilience to know that it's okay to not be good at something right away. Um, and that's something my son actually, uh, struggles with. 
is if he's not good at it right away, just, you know, working through that. So that's yeah. something that, um, that we work on. Mm-hmm. And then number four is no one cares about your size. Um, because I used to obsess about my jean size, you know, and worrying about if I was a bigger size than one of my friends. And, um, I spent a lot of time worrying about my weight and my mom kind of always struggled with her weight. And so I think that's partly why I worried about it. And, um, no one cares, you know, no one cares if you're a size zero or if you're a size 12, like really no one cares. And like, there was a girl yesterday at a store she's so cute. Um, there was a girl at a store yesterday and she was a bigger girl and she had a crop top on and I wanted to stop her so badly and just tell her how amazing I thought it was that she wore that crop top, not worrying about her size, but I hesitated because I didn't want her to second guess it, you know, and I didn't want her, if that was her go-to, I didn't want her to doubt that. So I didn't say anything, but, um, I thought to myself, like I still today would, you know, second guess, you know, wearing a certain thing. And it's like, why do we do that? Because no one cares. And really, if you're comfortable in your own skin, and your own size, then that's really what matters. You know, as long as you're taking care of yourself and you're happy, then, you know, that's really the most important thing. Yes. And then the fifth is, um, you won't be discovered. You have to discover yourself. So I used to think that all of a sudden I was going to be in uh, a crowd and I secretly wanted some movie producer or some, you know, famous person to come up to me and to say, you are who we've been looking for. We need this, you know, this part or this whatever. And I don't know why I thought that, but I just always thought, you know, I just wanted to be discovered in a crowd. And it's like, no, you have to discover yourself. You have to find your own inner power. And then that's when you have magnetism. That's when you have the you know, the good energy that attracts great people in your life. And so those are really the things that, that I would go back and teach myself that I really work hard on today and um, lots more, but those are, those are kind of my top five. Those are great top. That's the great top five. I mean, um, I really like, uh, yeah, I really like that idea to like managing your expectations, you know, um, and, and fi- discovering yourself, whether it's discovering that you really like pink slippers or yeah. you're really good at wearing them. <laughs> yes. Or, um, but, but yeah, I think that's so important to not be waiting on the sidelines expecting, you know, something. I mean, I know a lot about that being an actress. You really got to always put yourself out there. Yes. Um, and you really, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big thing and it's, and it's, it's a, it's a really hard thing to have to overcome. And especially for girls at a young age, um, for them to think about even putting themselves out there. Um, so it's, it's, it's great. Um, these five tips that you have. Um, Thank you. so you, you mentioned this global girls club. Um, is it the girls positivity club? It is. Do you want to tell us a little more about that? I would love to. So basically, I have a big, big vision 
I want to be on all continents um, and not me personally, but I, I want my mission is to advance the confidence, self-awareness and power of every girl. And by creating this, what we do is there are leaders um, who basically get girls in their community to join the club. And they teach them monthly lessons, you know, weekly, they meet once a week for an hour. And they really just pour into them and and create this community that's a really positive um, place where where any girl belongs. And they're divided into age groups. And they learn things about inner power, about um, self-care, and about positive stress release, about visibility and really um, leadership mm-hmm. and then about their, you know, their, their identity and, and who they want to be in their own confidence. So you have a curriculum, sorry, if you don't mind. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you have a, a curriculum or like a, a plan for these girls in, in different, in different communities. Yes. So yeah. how, how, how do you find these, these girls, the, the leaders? Well, Yeah. So I have been uh, reaching out to people that I know um, in communities and uh, publicly too. So if there's anyone in your community who would like, who feels really um, called to, you know, lead a group of girls, I'm just looking really for women who want to have a, a positive impact on girls in their community. And that's really it is that, you know, it's a once a week commitment for an hour and the curriculum's provided, you know, being a teacher, I know how to write curriculum. I've done that. And just that universal, you know, curriculum that everyone's Mm going to have is going to bring that commonality. Um, whether you're in Taiwan, whether you're in, you know, Melbourne, Australia, Nairobi, Kenya, or wherever, you know, or Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I want that commonality to where, it's, it's a global impact. Mm-hmm. And what I want is for girls all over the world to have a place where they belong outside of sports, outside of certain groups, you know, where a girl who's really athletic, a girl who's artistic, a girl who's an actress, a girl who doesn't really know her thing yet. Like they can all come together in this commonality of finding their inner power of, working on their own self-care and positive yeah. stress release and all of those things. And how old are these girls? From six to 18. So I have them. <laughs> Excuse me. No, you're fine. Um, <laughs> I was like, bless you. I wasn't sure if that was a call first thing. So <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, bless you. Okay, there. Now I know. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. So six to eight. So I would group them developmentally, you know, six, seven and eight year olds and then (laughs) nine to 12. Bless you. Sorry. Nine to 12 and then 13 to 15 and then 16 to 18. So really just breaking it up into ages that are developmentally appropriate and just have similar problems. Yeah. Yeah, um, and interest, you know, interest right. and, and different things that they face, you know, as girls. And really being proactive mm-hmm. and not even necessarily, you know, obviously they can share 
you know, any issues they're going through, but really focusing on the positives and the power. Um, And, you know, not being into toxic positivity either, you know, teaching them too that, I love this. Lori Harder um, taught me this, and it's about that feelings are visitors and that you acknowledge all the feelings, you know, because they're all valid. But some of the feelings you let be a visitor, you know, you don't sit in it. You can feel it and you acknowledge it and you, you know, work through it. But, you know, you kind of viewing it that way. That's nice. That's very nice. And also, it's important to acknowledge. Of bad feelings as well yeah, as, as good absolutely. feelings. Yeah. Um, so out of these groups, uh, what is the biggest impact that you have seen? I have seen girls transform. They, I have one girl, well, several girls, but one in particular, um, she has three learning disabilities. And I didn't even know that when she came into the club. But now that doesn't define her. She is confident and a leader in the group. She um, recently, I had a guest author, a graphic novelist actually, join one of our sessions as an expert guest. And she was so thrilled to meet her because it was the first book that she had finished, you know, Mm -hmm. cover to cover because of her learning things. And Uh, her learning challenges. And it was such a moment for her. And that was just kind of that a snapshot of like, when she really felt empowered. But there are so many examples of girls who who are all different, who just carry themselves differently. You know, they they're, they raise their hand more in class. They, um, they lead community activities. They reach out to new friends, whereas before they wouldn't have, and they try things that maybe they won't be good at right away, but they do it anyway, because they know the value in trying. Mm -hmm. And so those are really just some quick examples of, of change I've really seen. That's amazing. Um, I, I really love your concept. I really love your ideas. Um, thank you so much for, for sharing that with our listeners and, um, being on the show. I feel, I hope that, um, parents and, uh, feel empowered to, you know, pay more attention to these, these issues. And, um, (laughs) and I I think you've spoken to Kali. She's, she's very vocal now (laughs) about her feelings. Um, I love it. Yeah. So, uh, where, where can we find you? Thank you. Yeah. Girls Positivity Club on, um, you know, that's girlspositivityclub.org is my website and Girls Positivity Club on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. Awesome. And you also go by MJ. (laughs) I do. (laughs) So if anyone ever sees MJ on a post, it's probably me. (laughs) Okay. Thank you Thank so you much, much, MJ. And for all you listening out there, don't forget to follow Kung Fu Mama Show um, at IG and Facebook and our YouTube channel. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show today, MJ. And Thank you, Sarah. And hope to keep in touch. Yeah, sounds great. Okay.